We're in uh, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be uh, looking at another angel encounter this morning. Uh, we've been talking about some of these angel encounters, and I love them because they're so powerful. Uh, they provide such a wonderful message. And uh, this Christmas, I'm grateful to share with you all and to share with you a teaching uh, from Matthew's gospel. Uh, you guys are probably familiar with this passage. It is the uh, Christmas story, after all. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came to be. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary home to be his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named that child Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful to celebrate this Christmas morning, the birth of your son. And I pray, Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, you will guide and lead our conversations, that we can honor and uh, exalt who you are. We're grateful, Lord, uh, that you've taken this time to love on us in this specific way. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all know what the top three reasons for marriage conflict are? It's the big three. It's intimacy, money, and kiddos. Even through the best premarital counseling in the world, you cannot be totally prepared for the conflict that is, in fact, unavoidable in marriage. When you take two people from two different homes with all their emotional baggage, their trauma, and you add sinfulness and personalities, you have a recipe for conflict Jessica and I have never argued or had conflict in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> I wondered this morning about the conflict that is unwritten in today's Christmas story. Luke's gospel tells us that an angel of the Lord first appeared to Mary to prepare her for something incredible that was about to happen to her body. 
a miraculous conception. But Matthew's gospel starts with Joseph. It's cut and dry. Mary gets pregnant. Joseph decides to divorce her. And it all makes sense. Joseph knew he was not the father. We didn't have Maury Povich in those days. So he knew he wasn't the dad. And therefore, divorce had to be the only option to protect his good name and to save them from ridicule. As I look closely at this encounter today, I think I see that God chose a righteous man to parent the righteous one so that others may be made righteous. Let's follow along together as we think through that thought. Start first with that God chose a righteous man because I think this is my favorite part of the passage, my favorite part of the story. Because it did not take an angel of the Lord to convince Joseph to do the right thing. It didn't take an angel of the Lord to convince Joseph to do the right thing. He had planned on divorcing her quietly, and we're told that he did it because he was good. It would have been hard enough for her to face the social ridicule of being a single mother and having a child out of wedlock. These things would have been worse if it had been brought to open and public court. The Old Testament consequence for adultery was death. That's hard for us to understand in our Jerry Springer world. But the consequence of adultery was death. This would not have been entertainment for the hometown of Nazareth but something much worse. And I love how Joseph does not even question the angel. Do you remember last week we talked about how Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, received the news that his wife was also going to be miraculously pregnant. She was way too old to be having kids, she had been barren her whole life. And Zechariah responds in Luke chapter 1. You remember his words? How can I be sure of this, he said? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. But we're told Joseph, on the other hand, woke up from this vision and we're told he did exactly what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary home to be his wife. And he even remained celibate until she gave birth to Jesus. Joseph gave up. Listen. Joseph gave up the right to be this child's dad. He gave up the right to name his firstborn child. Joseph did what was right, even though it was more, the most difficult decision he's ever made. 
He gave up his own rights in the process. What an amazing example of righteousness. Let's look at that second sentence in the thought. So Joseph was a righteous man. God chose a righteous man to, to, father, uh, to father Jesus. Joseph also parented the righteous one. The Bible that I'm reading this morning tells me specifically here in the little letters at the bottom of my Bible, it says that Jesus is the Greek word for, Joseph, for Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Did you know this birth announcement is the only place in the New Testament where save his people is paired with from their sins? And I think that's significant for our conversation today. I wondered this week about why the birth had to be miraculous. Why did the birth have to be miraculous? This morning, I know that our, our Old Testament passage prophesies about it being miraculous, but Matthew had just finished telling us the genealogy of Jesus. That without it being miraculous, Jesus is still in the line of David, even if Joseph fathered that child. But we didn't need a baby just from the line of David, did we? We didn't need just another king over Israel, did we? We needed a savior. The world's problems can only be solved if God comes in the form of a man to be the righteous one who would save the world from sin. Which reminds me of that beautiful passage in Philippians chapter 2 that says that Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, and the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to God. To God be the glory. To God be the glory, because God himself humbled himself. It had to be miraculous because we needed more than just an earthly king. We needed the righteous one to make us righteous. And that's, I think, the third part of that thought, so that others could be righteous. God chose a righteous man to parent the righteous one so others might be made righteous. Three times in the gospel, we're told Jesus forgave sins. I talked about it last night when the lame man was lowered from the roof 
Jesus saw the faith of his friends and told him in front of everyone, your sins are forgiven. While at the home of the Pharisee, Simon, he told everyone that the sinful woman that was anointing him with oil and cried at his feet, that her sins were forgiven. On another occasion, Jesus was approached in the city by some religious leaders who caught a woman in the act of adultery, and they tested him by asking if they should stone her to death. And after everyone had left, Jesus said, Where are your accusers? She said, They're gone. And he said, Neither do I condemn you. There's three just examples of how Jesus came to make us righteous. Y'all love the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. If you remember the story, George's life is falling apart because he desired fame and fortune, an encounter from God and that quirky angel reveals that his desires need to change and he finds true joy when his desires change. He recognizes the most important thing in life is his integrity and the generosity he shows to other. Jesus came to make us righteous. Once there was a blind girl by the name of Ramona Ramona hated herself because she was blind. She didn't have any eyes. The only person in the whole world that she loved was her boyfriend, Daniel, and he loved her. He was always there for her. He told her that he wanted to marry her. But she said, I can't. I can't because I'm blind. She told him that if she could see, she would marry him. And at Christmas time that year, someone gave Ramona a pair of eyes. And she was thrilled. Now she could see everything. Daniel said, will you marry me now? But she looked at him and was shocked because Daniel had no eyes. She shrieked, I can't marry you. You're blind. You don't have any eyes. I don't want to marry someone who is blind. Daniel walked away heartbroken. His dreams were shattered. But he left her a note that says, please take good care of my eyes. You know, it was Paul who said that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we could see, so we could be made righteous. As we celebrate Christmas this morning, it is in that truth that we celebrate. That God came down. Yes, as a baby. But he also became king. Gave his life for you and me. 
to make us righteous. We do communion just a little bit different here at Cornerstone. We have three stations that are set up. Our praise team is going to come forward and, and sing a song. And I invite you to stand and go and to one of these stations to take the communion cup. On the bottom is the bread. On the top is the juice. And hold that and think about this child. What child is this? This child who came to save us from our sins. Carl will come up and share some thoughts, and we'll take communion together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son. Thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross. Thank you for making us righteous. I pray, Lord, that your example, that your sacrifice will continue to change each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, that we can be a better person like Joseph. And I pray, Lord, that your sacrifice will empower and ignite that flame in our hearts to do as you've called us to do. So, Father, we celebrate your son, Jesus Christ. We celebrate and sing these songs to your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.